Uncovering your truth and fire, one conversation at a time. This is a Spitfire Podcast. Hey guys, it's your host, Lauren Lemunyan, straight out of Washington, D.C. I hope you've enjoyed the Spitfire podcast as much as I have in bringing together our awesome guests and shows. If you haven't subscribed, head over to iTunes, Google Play, whatever it is you listen to podcasts on. Subscribe to the Spitfire podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your Uber drivers. Spread the word of the awesomeness and you keep being awesome. Hey guys, it is time for episode 15 of the Spitfire podcast. We have an amazing artist today. If you are out there and have been considering going into a creative business, if you're an artist and don't know how to monetize it, this is an amazingly inspirational show. Cassie left corporate. She's now doing watercolors, commission-based, bridal, you name it, she does it. I hope you enjoy episode 15 with Cassie Carpenito. Hey guys, welcome to another amazing episode of the Spitfire Podcast. I am joined today by the Wonder Woman of Watercolors. It's Cassie Carpenito. We actually met in North Carolina at a show, and I am now the happy customer of Cassie Creative. And I just had to get her on the show because there's so many artists out there that are looking for guidance on how to start a business, how to stay centered and focused, and how to deal with those limiting beliefs and challenges and the comparison that goes along with the Instagram nation. So Cassie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be here. So I am so curious about how you got into being a watercolor artist, how you started your own business. But I want I want you to take me back to that corporate journey because you started in corporate America and then you made the leap into a creative business owner. So tell me more about your story. So after college, um, I was really pushed into kind of a sales position. I wanted to do something a little bit more creative, but I was a psychology major, so I just didn't have that marketing experience, um, that art experience, that graphic design experience. So I just kind of got pushed into sales. It was easy. I needed a job. Um, and I did that. I did, a, it was called a sales and marketing position, but it was really just um, selling people apartments. <laughs> I was just a leasing agent. It wasn't glamorous at all. Um, and so I did that for a while. The pay was horrible for um, Northern Virginia. I mean, you know how expensive it is to live there. <laughs> so um, I ended up moving into another sales role at a mortgage company um, where I was making more money. And I moved up really quickly, uh, which was great. I was making a lot more money than I was used to. But at the same time, I was really unhappy. Um, and so I actually transferred with the company down here to North Carolina um, and we bought a house. And so everything was great for a while, but I would notice that I would get really stressed out. I dealt with a lot of people that were very unhappy um, with the company. And the only reason they were really using our mortgage company was because they were getting an incentive. Um, so it was just very stressful. I felt like I was answering a lot of unhappy calls all the time. I really hated sales. It was forcing me into this extroverted position that I'm just not, I'm not really an extrovert. I hate having to be on the phone all the time. Um, so it was just really hard and I felt like I'd come home and I'd cry a lot. And I just decided that I had to do something creative. Um, I had taken some art classes in college and I'd really loved them. And that's what I wanted to do. I felt passionate about it. So I kind of started doing some stuff on the side. Um, I was also really into writing. So I um, decided, okay, well, I don't feel like my art is there. I didn't think that my art was good enough. Uh, you know, the comparison trap that everyone falls into. 
I saw all these amazing artists on Instagram. Um, I felt like I really couldn't do that as a full-time career. So I started off with copywriting. Um, and I went back and forth with my boyfriend, Chris. We lived together. We talked about it. Um, talked about a way to make it work where I could quit my job and do copywriting full-time. And so I just kind of made the leap and did it. I'm very spontaneous. Um, I had some money saved up, so I felt like we could make it work. And I just decided to be like, screw corporate America. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do something that makes me happy and be my own boss. So so take me to leap day, the day that you decided to leave corporate America. What was that like? I hate quitting jobs. Just like I hate breaking up with people. Like it's horrible. It's so uncomfortable. And so I get so nervous when I'm turning in my notice. It was the same way at the last job I was at. Um, I like started shaking. I just get very anxious. So quitting was really, really hard for me to do. Um, I was really scared and I got a lot of pushback um, because there weren't a lot of us that worked in the office here in Raleigh. It was a remote office. So they really needed me. They didn't have anyone to replace me. Um, and it was really unexpected. So I actually got a lot of pushback and they ended up convincing me to stay a little bit longer than I planned. Uh, <laughs> but um, it ended up working out. I mean, you know, I explained to them I wasn't happy. And I think that it ended amicably, um, but it was just very, very nerve wracking, <laughs> especially going into something that, you know, you don't know if you're going to make any money. <laughs> totally. So you are there about to give your notice and then you get convinced to stay longer. So what got triggered in you to extend your stay when you knew it was the right move to move on? My old boss was not the nicest guy um, when it came to me quitting. He was very mad. And I think he said some things that he probably didn't mean. Um, but he kind of pushed some buttons with me and told me that, you know, well, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to be able to jump into something and make any money. And um, I had a couple people that worked at the company that were like, oh, well, you know, your boyfriend must have a really good job since he's going to be supporting you. Um, so it was comments like that that really scared me a little bit. And I was like, oh, am I making the right decision? I mean, I know we've talked about this, but it, should I do it yet? Maybe I should work a little longer, make a little bit more money. Um, so, yeah, it was really hard. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like they struck that nerve of of fear and doubt in you. Actually, have you heard of the term yum yuckers? It's when people, you come to them with yummy news of, you know, the excitement of moving on and creating new business and they yuck all over it. And normally it comes from a place of concern, but it's totally a projection of their own insecurities and fears that come out and get yucked all over you. Yeah, I like that expression. <laughs> yeah, and it was hard because like um, the boss that I had that conversation with, I really looked up to him. I thought we had a really great relationship. So um, for him to just kind of be a jerk about it was really disappointing to me. You know, I find it so interesting that you actually ended up rewarding negative behavior by staying longer. Like you reinforced their their yum yucking. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of pressure from my other boss at the time too. So, um, and him I liked. He was a nice guy. So um, I think I also just felt a little guilty. I felt like I, I was leaving them in the lurch. Um, so I, I wanted to make sure that they had someone there that could take my place. I kind of felt bad for the coworkers I was leaving behind to pick up the slack too. So, <laughs> Oh, I totally get it. I had the same thing happen when I was leaving corporate America and I thought, 
that I had to be there to <laughs> save people and, you know, became the martyr and wanted to protect people. But nobody cares once you're gone. Yep. You know, it's just, it's done. So you go from leasing agent to copywriter to then watercolorist. How did you discover your passion or expertise for being a watercolor artist? So when I was younger, um, my dad is a watercolor artist. He actually used to sell his work. Um, He hasn't done that in a really long time, but um, he was an artist. So when I was little, he was doing art classes um, and he was painting a lot. So I would always kind of tag along um, to his classes with him. I always really enjoyed that. And so I kind of picked it up on my own on the side. Um, and I always really loved it. I love it as a medium. I just think it's so fun. It's so fluid. And so I really wanted to get back into it. So while I was doing the copywriting, I was really getting back into watercolor, um, especially cause I had a lot of time. So it was a good hobby. <laughs> Um, that I just started to feel really passionate about. And um, now, I mean, it's crazy how much has happened over the past year, but now it's like I look at something and I just kind of see how I would paint it. Like, it's like my brain has just switched to, I kind of see everything in the sense of, okay, like here's how I would create this shadow and here's how I would do that. So it's weird how your brain just kind of like changes. (laughs) So uh, it's just something I really love to do. And the more I practiced it, the more I really felt like this is my passion, this is what I need to do. And the copywriting was starting to become something that I wasn't finding a whole lot of success at and was really just taking away from the time that I could be doing watercolor. So what was the signal for you that you could turn a business into this passion for watercolor? So it took me a while. I started sharing a couple little projects that I was working on on Instagram. Um, I started adding some of it to my website. And I noticed that I got a lot more attention from the watercolor than I did talking about the copywriting. Um, And so as soon as I started getting some jobs and making more money than I was making with the copywriting, I realized I can do this as a career. You know, people do find my work good enough to pay for Um, And it was really enlightening for me. It was really such a great feeling to feel like I can do this. I love to do this and people love it too. And they want to buy it from me. Um, So it was just a really awesome moment for me. So what I love is that it started with you loving it and then other people loving it and buying into it and not the other way around. Yeah. I mean, and it's really scary to first share it because when you look at Instagram, you can find so many amazing artists on there. And so it's so easy to compare your work to theirs, especially since other work is just so accessible now on social media. Um, So I'm constantly looking for inspiration um, and just checking out other artists. And I think the way you have to look at it is you really can't look at them as competition. Uh, You have to look at it more as in, you know what, we're all in this together. Um, And if you are successful, that means I can be successful too. That means people are willing to pay for this. That's a great point because I see so many people who are starting businesses, whether it's creative or not, and they're on Instagram, they're on Facebook, and they're seeing all of these comparisons of businesses that they should be like, and it ends up stunting them. So I'm wondering how you work through that and can be inspired rather than to compare yourself and, and to feel less than. Exactly. And that's the way that I've really had to change my mindset Um, as I've shared more and more, because if I compare myself, then yeah, there are people that are better than me and that could easily set me up for failure. Um, So you really have to switch the way you look at it. 
So let's talk about the way that you look at social media. I, I have to say that I am in love with the time-lapsed watercolor. Um, if you don't haven't looked at it, go on to Cassie's Instagram. We'll have it in the show notes. You have to watch these videos. They are absolutely amazing. I want to know what gave you the inspiration to do that. It's so funny to to do the time lapse and to like watch the video. It could be like a 20 minute long video that I speed up to get it down to like a minute. Um, but it's funny because you don't see like how long it actually does take to make those paintings. Uh, but the time lapses are just so much fun. And of course, with Instagram, you're kind of limited to how long of a video you can post. <laughs> So I had actually seen some other artists doing some time-lapse videos. I, I know when I recorded my first couple, I was so anxious about it. I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to show me actually painting something. Because uh, usually, you know, you only pick and choose what you're sharing on Instagram. You share your best work. And if mm -hmm. I'm doing a time-lapse video, well, you know what? That painting might not be my best work. But I'm not going to record me painting 20 different things. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so it's a little scary when you first send them out there, but um, I know like the one I did most recently with the roses has been pretty popular, and I actually didn't love the way that final painting turned out. Um, yeah, so it's very spontaneous when I make those videos. I don't sketch out beforehand, so it's really just kind of in the moment um, and what I'm feeling at the time when I'm making them. That's so awesome. So it's almost like the full experience of the flow of creation in time-lapse format. I'm curious if your time-lapse videos has created any false impressions about the speed of creation of your watercolors, if you've received any type of pushback or inquiry about that. I haven't run into that situation yet. Um, I also have been doing a lot of bespoke home paintings, um, so I haven't really done any time lapses of those. So I, that's kind of been my biggest project right now. It might change a little bit, and you're right, I might run into that issue um, when I start adding the watercolor stationery, the wedding stationery that I'm going to be doing. I might run into that situation. I hope not. I hope that clients would be a little bit understanding um, and realistic about how long this process does take. So hopefully I won't run into that. So who is your ideal client? My ideal client, I like to actually think of my best friend um, as my ideal client. Whenever I'm working on my marketing strategy and thinking about it, I always kind of picture her. Um, because I actually have worked with her. She has been a client and she's always very easy to work with. Um, she's very laid back. She really trusts my process. And I think that that is so important when you're working with an artist, you have to trust their process. You can't be like worried that, you know, it's taking a little bit longer than you expected. So maybe it's not going to be good enough. You, I feel like you really have to just kind of trust their process and trust that they are going to provide something that is a quality product. So if you're trying to rush the deadline or you don't trust the artist, you are not Cassie's ideal client. <laughs> and I will say, I mean, I've worked with a lot of really wonderful clients. I've worked with a lot of really laid back clients. Um, I've had one or two that have been a little bit more nitpicky. But one thing that I always make sure to do is I explain everything really well up front. Um, and of course, if anyone ever has any questions, I always make sure to answer them very thoroughly so that they don't just see me trying to like write them off and be like, no, 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 trust me, I'm doing it the right way. But I explain why I'm doing it that way and why it, it takes this amount of time and what goes into it, just to make sure that they know that I'm really working for them. So you just went through a rebrand. What are you trying to embody with this new brand? 
So for a while, um, I was Gold Copy Co. That was what my business first started out as. And that was mainly focused on the copywriting. And I started adding in the art to that. Um, and the name just didn't really make sense anymore to me. The Gold Copy Company, it didn't scream that I was an art boutique. So I decided to switch it to Cassie Creative. That way I really branded it around myself. Um, because I mean, you know, I'm not just selling you my art. I'm also selling you me. You're working with me as an artist. So I felt like it was really important to incorporate myself into that. Um, so that's kind of where that name came from. So what are three words that represent your brand? Ooh, <laughs> uh, colorful. Um, I would say creative. I mean, I like to make sure that, you know, everybody does get something that's original and unique for them. Um, and texture. I know that's kind of a weird one, but texture is really important to me. I like to make sure that I'm using really quality materials and that when people get an original painting from me, um, they can really feel it. You know what I mean? It's not just a flat piece of paper. It's not just like a plain print. It's this is my original watercolor. You can feel all of the time that went into that. And you can feel that on this nice paper that I'm using. So what is your superpower as a business owner? Ooh, my superpower. Um, I would say that since I was a psychology major, I really feel that helps me connect with my clients. Um, and I feel like I get a really good feel of what they're looking for from that. So um, that's really helped me kind of work with people. So being an introverted person um, can be a little bit of a challenge. I don't always want to, you know, have to talk to people. Um, but I think my psych major really helps me out with that. And what's your kryptonite? Uh, I would say the comparison trap. I mean, you know, I, I tell myself, you know, we're all in this together and I shouldn't compare. But I mean, there are moments where I see someone who's doing something similar to me and I think, oh, they're kind of doing it better than I am. So I really have to get out of that mindset sometimes. So let's say the comparison trigger gets hit. What's your next step? Um, so the next step I would say is I just kind of turn off all of my social media. I'm like, okay, I need to take a break. I'm comparing too much. Um, and I try to just like go on a walk or just do something to distract me so that I can really just calm down, uh, maybe do a little yoga and just get out of that mindset and really focus on myself um, and my own business and not someone else's. That's so awesome that you mentioned that. I bring this up to my clients a lot. When they feel this impulse to react out of fear or scarcity, the best thing you can do is nothing at all. So to do absolutely nothing, to sit there, to reflect, and to sit in what's making you uncomfortable. So I want to talk a little bit about being an introvert and being a self-employed business owner. You're working from home. You already have tendencies of going inward. So how do you switch up your mindset or make it work for you so that you don't get into the proverbial entrepreneurial funk that happens when we work from home? I mean, it's it's hard to get in the mindset of I'll go days without, you know, talking to clients because I'll be working on projects. Um, sometimes I'll go days without leaving the house. I mean, you know, especially in the wintertime, I don't even want to go outside. <laughs> so, you know, you'll be in your house and you'll be kind of entrenched in your own work. And then you'll have someone come in and they have a bunch of questions for you. And it's like, you have to really switch your mindset. And that can be really hard. Um, versus when I worked in an office and I was used to talking to people all the time. So if someone came in and asked me a question, it wasn't like I had to switch my mindset. I was already in that extroverted mindset. 
That's interesting that you bring up extroversion and introversion as almost a role that you play. And I think you may actually have some extroverted tendencies within your preference for introversion that you could actually explore a little bit more about. I'm good at faking it. Um, I think in college I was in a sorority um, and I, I really didn't like that very much, but um, because I did feel like I had to put on that extroverted hat all the time. So um, but I think it did make me good at being able to kind of fake it and be very outgoing. Um, so I don't really feel like people think of me as an introverted person. I like how you say preference because it definitely is a preference. I I prefer to be at home. I prefer to not really be in like crazy social situations. Um, but I will say I took that test. I was I told you as a psych major when I was in college, I took that test and I did come up extroverted. When I take the test now, it's introverted. So I'm definitely like more on the border than probably a lot of other people. So I want to get into pricing a little bit because I have some clients who are in the creative space and have used Etsy as a benchmark to set their their price. So I want to know your thoughts on how you came about to your price and what your thoughts are on that. So Etsy is a terrible resource for setting your price because there is just <laughs> there's so much variety. I mean, you have just, it's unbelievable. You'll see people that are pricing really high. And then you've got people that are pricing so low that if you really step back and look at it, they're not really making any money at the end of the day. So you have to really think about how much time something is going to take you and then base it off of what you need to charge as an hourly rate. Um, and then, of course, your materials you need to factor in as well. But you really need to look at how much time something's going to take you. And that comes with more practice um, and knowing yourself. But you have to figure out what hourly rate you need to be at in order to actually make money and to pay your taxes. Because as a business owner, you got to pay taxes. So, <laughs> so it's um, but pricing is hard. Pricing has been one of my biggest struggles, I would say. Um, I actually just took a class by Victoria Rothwell, um, Design House Prep School, on pricing for my stationary collection that's coming up. Um, and that's a great resource. Uh, so I would definitely recommend her. Right. Well, and we talk about ideal clients and you do run into a situation sometimes where you'll have a client and, and they'll say, well, why are you charging this price? I just had a woman recently telling me for no reason, she just messaged me on Etsy and she's like, your price is way too high for this. Like, okay, well then, you know, you don't need to buy it. You can buy it from someone else. But I always think it's really interesting when you have people that are not an artist and they're not doing what you are doing and they're coming in and they're judging you um, because I, I just, I don't know, that to me is, I would never imagine doing that. I would never message another artist and tell them that their prices were incorrect. If they asked me for help, I'd love to help them, but um, I just, <laughs> it's just crazy to me. So where do you think that comes from? Um, I think it comes from... a you know, there are people out there who just want to get a deal and they don't care about the quality of something um, and the time that goes into something. So if they can find it somewhere cheaper, then that's more important to them. Um, mm -hmm. And I also think it does stem a little bit from jealousy. I think that, you know, there might be some people out there that don't feel like I should be making money off of this because they can't, um, which mm -hmm. is sad because they can. And that's why I added this artist education piece to my business. And that's why I do these weekly blog posts on educating artists to show them that you don't have to be an art major. Um, you don't have to have any formal training. You can do this for a living. And I want to help you do that because I know how miserable it is being stuck in a job that you hate. 
So if you had to give a piece of advice to someone looking to starting a creative business or maybe someone who's struggling, what would it be? Don't give up. That would be my tip because it's really easy to give up. And there were times where I felt like I was going to, like I felt like I wasn't making enough money to, you know, support our life. I wasn't making enough money to be able to continue doing this. Um, My artwork wasn't good enough. People were choosing other artists, but you have to push through all of that. And it's hard, but it it's worth it in the end. Well, it is totally worth it in the end. And I'm so happy that you didn't give up and you kept pushing through because now I have some awesome pieces that I can look at every day that bring me joy. So thank you so much for sharing your journey and your wisdom and your tips because we all learn from each other and it's awesome. So where can people find you if they want to check out your services, your commission work? What are you up to and where can people search to find you? So I do bespoke homes that's currently one of my most popular offerings um, which is a little watercolor portrait of your house it's perfect for a gift for you know your favorite newlyweds Um, if you're a realtor it's a great gift to give your clients Um, and it's also just something really fun to hang in your house as a nice keepsake Um, the big piece that i'm going to be adding is also going to be the wedding stationery collections as well as custom wedding stationery so um, you'll see those at the end of february and your website and instagram at CassieCarpanito.com and also on Instagram at Cassie.Creative. I want to thank our guest, Cassie Carpanito, for joining us today. I know I was inspired. I want to pick up a paintbrush and start creating again. If you want to check her out, check out our show notes. Uh, it's SpitfirePodcast.com. Go to iTunes, Google Play, however you listen to podcasts. Check her out. Check out the podcast. And most importantly, keep being awesome.